0: Before you were even formed in your mother's womb, God already had determined a purpose for your life, a God-given purpose. God has a purpose to train you in what you're called to do, and I tell you, Karis Bible College is the place for that. Man, if you want a life change, come to Karis. Come on to Karis! The next two to three years could be the most powerful time of your life. If you sit under the Word for four hours a day, for five days a week, for two or three years, I guarantee you, you are going to have God speak to you and start revealing purpose to you. Every one of you were created for a purpose. Do you know what that purpose is? Welcome to
1: Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry that focuses on God's unconditional love and grace. God was calling us here, and we were like, we're coming. We're going to be obedient to God's call. For us, this was our place called there. The provision for the healing was in this place, and I know our provision for our ministry or what God wants us to do, our purpose, is here too.
0: And now, here's Andrew. Welcome to our Tuesday's broadcast of The Gospel Truth. Today, I'm continuing to teach about A Better Way to Pray. I just started this series yesterday. This is going to be a multiple-week series. I've got a book on this entitled A Better Way to Pray, and I've also got it in Spanish, and then I have CDs and DVDs. And as I said yesterday... Uh, Jesus, when He started teaching on prayer in Matthew chapter 6, the very first thing He did was say, don't be like the hypocrites because they love to pray. And He began to start just coming against the religious system of His day that really emphasized prayer, but it wasn't true communion with God. You know, if you are having a conversation and nobody else is listening, Well, then it's not really a conversation. It's just a monologue. And sad to say, this is what a lot of people are doing in prayer. They're saying that they're praying, but prayer is communion with God. It's a relationship with God. And yet it has degenerated down to where with many people, it's just a religious exercise. And it soothes their conscience, but it is not truly connecting with the Lord. And so Jesus... And when he started teaching on prayer, the very first thing he said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 5, it says, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. And I think that a large, large portion of prayer is so that people can get acclaim from other people. You know, when I go into churches and I remember the church that I was raised in, you would take these people and they would ask them to stand up and pray. And typically they would just be normal people. They'd just talk, you know, like anybody else. But when it came time to pray in church, it would be like, our God, G-A-W-D, God. And then they would pray in this Elizabethan voice and they would pray in a booming voice and they would, we beseech you so humbly today and all of this stuff. And it was just a religious form. And I tell you, I hate that stuff. I think God hates it. I really do. And I apply this same thing to preachers. You know, I have people all the time that, Uh, confessed to me that they saw my programs for years and just flipped right on by in the channels and didn't watch it because I wasn't, uh, you know, standing and running and jumping and shouting and screaming and I wasn't excited. I was just talking in a normal voice. And they thought, well, you can't be anointed because they had this concept of a certain style that you had to be to be an effective minister. But I am just the opposite. If a person all of a sudden changes when they get behind the pulpit or when they open up the Bible and start sharing the Word and their whole voice changes and they start using Elizabethan English, whether it's in prayer or ministry or whatever, then I just look at it and say that you're religious. And I know that there's some people that get upset over that, but I tell you, you shouldn't be any different. You could talk to me, in a grocery store, you could talk to me pumping gas, you can do anything and I'll still talk in this same voice. This is me, this is who I am. I'm not a different person when I'm on television or something. I believe that all a minister is, you're just talking to people one-on-one. And when you have to change your old personality and become a different person, then you're just a hypocrite. And this is what Jesus is talking about right here. Don't be like the hypocrites. They love to pray. They do it so that they can be seen of men. You know, I held a meeting one time with R.W. Shambach in uh, Palm Springs, California. And some of you know who R.W. Shambach is, and he's real demonstrative. And he talks, you know, in a real dramatic voice and everything. But I went out to eat with him, my mother and my wife and I, we all got in his little convertible and we went out and got some ice cream. And did you know that R.W. Shambach was exactly the same in the restaurant, exactly the same driving down the road? He witnessed, he talked to people, and he was real dramatic, but that was just him. He didn't change to become that way. That was who he was. When a person is usually meek and mild-mannered, and yet they get by in the pulpit and they have to change their whole personality, or if a person is just an everyday you know, Joe, and then they get up and they want to pray in front of people and they all of a sudden start speaking in Elizabethan English and stuff. It's just hypocritical. It's religious at best and it is total hypocrisy at worst. I know some people don't like that, but this I'm following the leadership of Jesus. Before He taught what prayer was, He taught what prayer wasn't. He came against the religious traditions of His day and He mentioned here in this fifth verse... People love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corner of the streets. There's other examples where Jesus talked about the scribes and the Pharisees and how they would literally blow trumpets before them. And then they would stand and pray at the top of their lungs. And they would actually, they would pay a person to go around and blow a trumpet to attract everybody's attention. And then he would stand up and go to pray. Now that is not communing with God. That is not true worship of God. That is just religious And there are people that watch this program that I guarantee you, you are religious in the way you pray. And I know that some people don't like this. We like to say, well, I'm praying. It doesn't matter how I do it. Oh, it does matter how you do it. Jesus is right here saying that there is right and wrong ways to pray. Do not pray so that you can just be recognized by people. Don't pray in a Elizabethan tone of voice so that you're like the King James Bible and think that somehow or another you're holier when you do that. You just need to be real. You need to talk to God like He's a real person. You need to talk to Him the way that you'd talk to me, maybe with more respect and honor, but you don't need to change your whole personality and go to being something that you aren't. You know, the word hypocrite comes from a Greek word and it was literally, it meant behind the mask. And it went back to the Greek uh, theater how that they would come out on stage and they would hold up a mask in front of them and pretend to be a different person. And so you were an actor. You weren't really yourself. You were projecting something. You were being somebody that you weren't. And that's what the word hypocrite is describing. And when a person all of a sudden just starts you know, acting totally different and you're talking to God in words that you never use unless you're praying and stuff, you're just a hypocrite. I'm not saying that out of bitterness or anger. I'm just trying to say that until we get rid of the religious junk that has been taught us about prayer and we get real with God, uh, you aren't really communicating with God. You know, I have people that come and they meet me and for whatever reason, they want to impress me. And so they just start talking about all of this stuff and promoting themselves. And they're doing it so that I can be impressed with who they are. And you know what that does? It makes a negative impression on me. I know that this person is putting on you know, a show for me, and it doesn't bless me. The type of people that I really like are the people that are just themselves. There are some people I know that, you know what, they aren't necessarily the most diplomatic. They just say what they think, and that turns a lot of people off. But I like it because I can, I can know where I stand with this person. If they don't like something, they'll tell me, and I can handle that. It's not a problem with me. I just like people being genuine. You know, when I get introduced, the number one thing that people say about me when they introduce me is they say, he's the same, whether he's on television or he's someplace else. And I think to myself, what kind of introduction is that? What does that mean? Does that mean that other people aren't the same? Does that mean that other ministers act one way in the pulpit and they talk one way, but then when you get them by themselves, they're different? And I've asked that question to people and they say, yes, that's what a lot of people are. There's a lot of people that it's just a show. And th- this, is, this is the very first thing that Jesus said. Don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be hypocritical in your prayer. Be genuine. Be honest. Talk to the Lord. Don't do it for the praise of men. If you do, it says they have their reward. That little pat on the back that they give you and say, oh, you're so awesome. That's your reward. You aren't going to get a reward from God. You've got what your reward. It's just that little bit of recognition that you get. In verse 6, this is Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. It says, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Now, I've had this verse misused on me. You know, when I was in the Baptist church and I got really turned on, man, a lot of the young people in that church got excited at the same time. And we used to have morning prayer before we would go to school and we would get together and pray as a group. And the youth director of this Baptist church saw us as a threat to him because he was not spiritual at all and he was intimidated by us. And so he came out against us and told us that we should quit praying And I said, how in the world can you say that? What right do you have to tell us not to pray? And He came up with this verse and he says, you're supposed to go in your prayer closet. You should not ever pray in front of another person. That's not what this is saying because Jesus himself who said this prayed openly in the 12th chapter of the book of John, he just out loud said, Father, glorify your name and there came a voice from heaven said, I have glorified it and will glorify it again. Jesus prayed when He was on the cross and said, Father, lay not this sin to their charge. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. And there's multiple instances where Jesus prayed publicly in front of people. So this is not saying that you can't do it, but the emphasis is that you should not be praying to get recognition from people. You shouldn't be praying to have bragging rights. And I tell you, there's a lot of this. I don't know how many of you remember when um, the could you not tarry one hour teaching came out. That's been, I forget now, but 20 or 30 years ago in the body of Christ. And um, anyway, it became very popular and they took the Lord's Prayer listed right here in Matthew chapter six. And they said it was like a runner on a track that there were signposts. And then when it says our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That means that you enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And so you spend uh, 20 minutes, you know, just worshiping the Lord. And then you go in to uh, give us this day, our daily bread. That's where you... And they had an hour's worth of prayer broken down into you spend so much time praising the Lord, so much time asking for your needs to be met, so much time confessing your sin. And then you end it. And they had this little track and people started doing this and praying an hour a day. And um, Larry Lee was the guy that came up with this, but it wasn't him. It was one of his associates. There was a guy who was out traveling and teaching this series on Could You Not Tarry One Hour? And he came and ministered here in the Colorado Springs area and he came to my office. And I mean, after you know, introducing himself and telling me who he was, he said, so how much time do you spend every day praying? And it just kind of took me back when he asked me that question and immediately I thought, so why do you want to know? And the only reasons that I could think of was either he wanted to know so that he was going to criticize me and say, you aren't doing enough and try and get me to spend more time praying. Or he wanted to compare himself with me and see if he was holier than I was because he spent more time praying every day than I did. I couldn't think of any good reason for a person asking how much time you spent in prayer. And so I was kind of just thinking about this and the Lord spoke to me and he said, how much time did you spend with Jamie yesterday? And it's just so happened that I had been home that day. I stayed at home and I spent all day with Jamie. And he says, so how much time did you spend? I said, well, all day. He says, could you say that you talked to her for five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, I said, no, I talked to her all day long. We weren't talking the whole time, but we were there together and we were visiting. And and basically the Lord just spoke to me. If a person can reduce their prayer time to an hour a day or 30 minutes or whatever it is, then you have a pretty sorry relationship with God because He's with you 24-7. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's always there. And if God is always there, how could you just spend a few moments talking to Him and then ignore Him the rest of the day? That would be like me being with Jamie all day. We may not have talked the whole time, but we were there. I was aware of what she was doing. She was aware of what I was doing. We did talk a lot. We communed everything that happened to me. It happened to her and vice versa. And you know, this is the way that I've come to pray. I just pray and talk to the Lord constantly. When I'm asleep, I dream about the Lord. I'm praying. I wake up in the middle of the night and when I roll over, I'm talking to the Lord and I'm praying. When I get up, I'm praying. When I go to bed, I'm praying. I'm talking to the Lord all of the time. You know, over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it says, pray without ceasing. And I think that there's multiple ways that you can apply that. But one of the ways to apply that is that you ought to be in communion with the Lord at all times. I think it's dangerous when a person can just say, I pray an hour every day. Well, man, you should be in communion with God all of the time. The sad fact is some people devote one hour and they're focused on the Lord and they're talking about the Lord and talking to the Lord. But then the rest of the day, they'll sit there and watch things on television that I guarantee you, it grieves the Lord. It's not good for you. If you were in communion and praying with the Lord right then, you would not be watching those things. You wouldn't be saying some of the things that you say. You wouldn't be going some of the places that you go. You wouldn't talk about people the way that you talk. But some people, they just spend a certain segment of their day with God and the rest of the day, they're on their own. But because they spend an hour or something with the Lord, well, then they think that somehow or another their relationship with God is superior. That's, this is preaching against that. Your prayer should not be so that you could go ask somebody, how much time do you spend in prayer every day? I spend more time than you do. I'm better than you are. If you've got that kind of an attitude, your prayer stinks. It is not ministering to God. It's not truly touching God. It's not communing with God. There's a lot of religious junk going on with prayer. In verse 7, this is Matthew chapter 6, verse 7. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. So this is really clear. When you pray, don't use vain repetitions repetition. Don't just say the same thing over and over. This would be comparable to people praying the rosary, our father, hail Mary, all of these kind of things. People reciting the Lord's prayer, which the Lord's prayer is given in just the next few verses right here. But there are people that, you know, they just recite this as a mantra and think that somehow or another, this is connecting with the Lord. It's not. You know, I've been in services before where Demons manifest themselves and I'm casting demons out of people. And I mean, there's some strange things happening and it causes fear in some of the people that are around. And I remember an instance where a woman standing next to me when this demon manifested, she got fearful. And she started saying, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, my kingdom come thy way. And she was just spitting out the Lord's prayer like a machine gun. And she was just repeating this thing as fast as she could. And I actually turned over and said, stop it. And she thought, oh, what's wrong? I'm repeating scripture. I'm repeating the Lord's prayer. She was doing it in fear. It wasn't from her heart. You, It's You know, it says over in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 if you give all of your goods to feed the poor, and if you even make the ultimate sacrifice and give your body to be burned, and don't do it motivated by love, it profits you nothing. The motive behind your action is more important than your action. Right there in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1, it says, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I'm a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. If I can prophesy, if I have faith, if I can do all of these things and don't do it motivated by love, it profits me nothing. If you are reciting the Lord's Prayer and you're just spitting it out, but your heart is full of fear, well, then the motive behind your words are more important than your words. And there are some people that just recite these prayers They have these mantras, they go through a rosary, they go through their uh, rituals on Sunday and they recite these written prayers. And this is exactly what Jesus is teaching against. He says, do not use vain repetition as the heathen do. The heathen have these mantras that they go through. They just say the same things over and over and over and somehow or another think that that makes them holy. It just makes them carnal. It makes them hypocrites. You know, I know that there's a lot of people not being blessed by what I'm saying, but before we can actually lay a good foundation, we got to jackhammer and get rid of all of this old stuff. And I am reading to you scriptures that Jesus said. Jesus was in a religious culture when he was here on this earth and the religious Jews were hypocrites to the max they would blow trumpets, pray on street corners. They would do all of these things. They had these phylacteries that they... Little strips of uh, leather that they put around their forehead and it had a pouch right here and they kept scripture in there so that this scripture would be constantly in front of their eyes. And this went back to Deuteronomy chapter 6 where it says that you shall meditate in these things and you keep this uh, scripture in front of you day and night and never let it depart from your eyes. So they would put these little phylacteries there and they would do all this stuff. They had all of the motions down pat, but it was just religious exercise. It was not genuine and God hated that stuff and he still hates it today. There's a lot of people that your prayer is nothing but just religious stuff. You aren't talking to God from your heart. This says they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. THE LENGTH OF YOUR PRAYER ISN'T WHAT'S IMPORTANT. IT'S NOT IF YOU PRAY AN HOUR THAT YOU'RE SOMEHOW OR ANOTHER BETTER THAN A PERSON THAT PRAYS FOR A MINUTE. DID YOU KNOW THAT SOME OF THE VERY BEST PRAYERS THAT YOU COULD POSSIBLY PRAY ARE, HELP, (laughs) AMEN. THAT'S A GREAT PRAYER. OH, GOD, HELP ME. YOU KNOW, THAT'S A GREAT PRAYER. YOU LOOK AT JESUS, AND HIS PRAYERS WERE REAL SHORT, LIKE, BE HEALED. HE WOULD SPEAK TO THE SEED, BE STILL. I MEAN, IT'S JUST ONE OR TWO WORDS. He didn't pray long, long, long prayers. Now, there are sometimes, there's twice, two separate instances. It's recorded more than once because of the four gospels, but there's two separate instances where Jesus spent all night in prayer. One of them was before He chose His 12 disciples. and I believe He was specifically asking for wisdom and direction so that He would make the right choices. And so there's twice that he prayed all night. And of course, there's other times that he would go up into a mountain to pray. And Jesus prayed, but most of his prayers were very short prayers. He said specifically that the hypocrites think that they will be heard for their much speaking. That is just absolutely wrong. And we have that same pharisaical attitude in the body of Christ today that it's all about how long you pray. And whether or not you use the Elizabethan English and whether or not you say God, G-A-W-D instead of God. And it's all of this junk that doesn't mean a thing to God. And that little pat on the back, that little, uh, you know, smile that people give and they nod your head when you walk by because you're so holy. That's your reward. That's all you're going to get. That doesn't connect with God. I'm telling you, God would rather you be real with Him. You know, when I first got started in ministry, I was in Pritchett, Colorado, and I ministered to a lot of farmers and ranchers, and most of them never went to church. And one of the reasons is because they didn't want to be with the hypocrites that were in church, but they were good people, and many of them were born again. And if they weren't born again, I got them born again. But I loved these people because they were just totally nonpretentious. It was just all genuine. And Man, I loved it. I fit right in with them. and I think that God many times is more pleased with that than the people who put on all of their fancy garb and go to church and they can say all of the right things and do all of this, but their heart is far from God. It's all about your heart. God looks on the heart, 1 Samuel 16, 7, and God is looking at your heart and God knows whether you're putting on a show or not. I'm telling you, these scriptures to me just say, don't be hypocritical, be real with God.
1: Welcome to the AWM Minute, a sneak peek on how your partnership with Andrew Walmack Ministries and Cares Bible College is making a difference around the world. When lupus threatened to end Raquel Hudson's life, the Holy Spirit led her and her husband Herman to Andrew's Gospel Truth television show, where she heard the Bible taught like never before. Even as her organs shut down and the doctors considered her a lost cause, the Hudsons found hope in the healing journey of Nikki Ochinski, knowing that what God did for Nikki, He would do for Raquel. Today, Raquel is completely healed. She travels with Andrew at conferences around the country, singing in the worship band and reminding us all that no matter the circumstances, God wants us well. I'm really alive because of your partnership because of you coming alongside Andrew and helping him to get this message of the gospel
0: of grace out. All I can say is thank you to him. I mean, you saved our lives.
1: To see more stories like Raquel's, visit awmi.net today.
0: I'd like to give you a special invitation to come and taste what Karis Bible College is going to be like. We have Karis Day on July the 27th. AND ANY LOCATION THAT WE HAVE AROUND THE WORLD, YOU CAN GO TO THAT LOCAL LOCATION, AND I'M GOING TO BE TEACHING. WE ALSO ARE GOING TO HAVE MIKE AND Kerry PICKETT, THE head OF WORLD OUTREACH, AND SOME OTHER INSTRUCTORS THERE. WE'RE GOING TO BE TAKING QUESTIONS AND ANSWERS AND INTERACTING WITH YOU, AND YOU WILL GET A REAL TASTE OF WHAT CARIS BIBLE COLLEGE IS ALL ABOUT. SO CHECK IT OUT, JULY THE 27TH, AT A LOCATION NEAR YOU, OUR CARIS DAY. JOIN US, YOU'LL NEVER BE THE SAME.
1: Andrew's teaching titled, A Better Way to Pray, is available in the Better Way to Pray package, which includes two books, A Better Way to Pray and The Believer's Authority, as well as your choice of either the CD albums or DVD albums from both teachings. This package has a catalog value of $105, but you can get it today for only $75. If you prefer, the Better Way to Pray resources are available individually as either a book, study guide, CD album, or DVD album made from our daily television broadcast. Each of these valuable resources is available for a gift of any amount. Go to awmi.net to see all the ways you can get these products. The individual topic highlighted on today's broadcast is available as an audio CD for a gift of any amount when you write or call. We encourage everyone to give because there's a blessing in giving. But if you're simply unable to afford it, Andrew and his partners will provide today's teaching free of charge. You can become a Grace Partner or order resources through our website at awmi.net.
0: IF YOU AREN'T WATCHING AT THE TIME YOUR FAVORITE PROGRAM COMES ON, YOU CAN GO BACK AND GET WHATEVER YOU WANT TO SEE ON DEMAND. IT'S A GREAT NEW FEATURE. CHECK IT OUT AT GOSPELTRUTH.TV.